Guys Drinking Whiskey Podcast, where we drink and discuss whiskey from all across the globe. Everything from the top of the liquor store shelf to the dusty bottoms of the discount bin. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. If it's your first time here, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. As I stated in the previous episode, we're going to be doing this little new to whiskey series where we help teach you guys about what whiskey is now. I know there's probably a ton of other YouTube videos and podcasts and everything kind of describing this, but we've never done this before, so I'm just going to get it out there because it's been it's been weighing on me, so I'm going to let you guys have it. Reason why is because we do get a lot of questions about stuff. Surprisingly, we think we know everything and we don't. And then I assume other people know just as much too, and they don't either. And it turns out a lot of people don't really know a lot and they have a lot of questions, but some people don't want to seem, I don't know, like a noob or a tater as they call them in, in the whiskey community. So they don't want to ask some of these questions, but a lot of people just don't know the difference between a lot of stuff. So we're just going to break that down for y'all real quick here. Nice and easy. We're going to start with bourbon because that's probably the most popular right now in America. At least it's huge right now. It's been huge for the past decade, maybe even a little bit longer. I think with the, I guess you call it the, the bourbon boom or the bourbon bubble, it's been growing. It's been huge. There's tons of brands out there. There's tons of different varieties. And it's kind of hard to decipher what is what really because there's so much to choose from now. If you walked into a liquor store 10 years ago, the liquor department was massive and it was probably 70% vodka at that point. I think the tables have really turned and now the whiskey side of it is very huge, especially the bourbon side. And in the Midwest... Scotch is still very minimal, and bourbon is definitely king around here. And there's other aspects of that as well. As far as like just American whiskey in general, you've got your ryes, you've got your single malts, you've got your bourbons, your straight bourbons, your finished bourbons. You get all these other varieties. So that's what we're going to focus on today is just the basics of bourbon. So there's a couple things that go into it. Uh, the number one thing of what makes a bourbon a bourbon is going to be the mash bill, which the mash bill is what grains the actual distillate is made of. And when it comes to bourbon, it has to be at least 51% corn. 51% corn. That's what makes bourbon bourbon. You can't make a bourbon with a mash bill of anything less than that. So that's probably the biggest thing about a bourbon. It can be a lot higher corn. It could be like a 78%. It could be all the way up to a 99%, you know, it just has to be at least 51% corn to be considered a bourbon. One of the other major rules of bourbon is that it has to be at least 80 proof. So that's why you see a lot of your standard offerings like your Jim Beams and just, just some of the more like bigger name popular ones. They're going to come in at 80 proof just because that's the most watering down they can do to it to really kind of thin it out. I guess a lot of whiskeys you see now are going to be much higher than that because with higher proof comes better quality higher flavor i just think it's better uh, cast strength is my preferred sip now i wasn't always that way i used to be kind of a 95 proof guy which is kind of in that eagle rare range if you will and that's still really good i personally think that whiskey that has more age on it 
is almost a little better at a lower proof because it kind of lets you explore those nuances a little bit. Uh, the other thing is going to be that it has to be aged in a new white American oak barrel. Now, that's one of the biggest things. You can't use a barrel that's been used for anything else before for its initial aging. And that's one of the main differences between like scotch or rye or really any other alcohol that is aged in a barrel is that whiskey bourbon is new white American oak barrel. So it's going to sit in that fresh barrel that's never been used for anything before. It's charred. It's going to get all those colors and those flavors from that charred inside. And that's what it's, that gives it its, its color, that gives it its flavor, that gives it a major aspect of what you're tasting. I forget what the actual like amount is, but it's at least, what, maybe 70%. I'm not sure. Go ahead and fact check me and hit us up on Instagram and shoot me a message saying that I was wrong. So you've got mash bill, 51% corn, new white American oak barrel, minimum of 80 proof. Now there's a bunch of other rules that kind of come into play. Like it has to be a certain proof before it goes into the barrel. It can't be higher than this. It can't be lower than this, but we're not going to get into all that stuff. This is just basically what makes a bourbon a bourbon, the simple version. There's going to be a bunch of other things you see on a bourbon label too. And that's where it gets kind of confusing when you're in a store and you're like, what the hell is this? What does this mean? What does that mean? There's tons of different things. Let's start with the age statement. Sometimes you'll see a bottle of whiskey that is says aged for two years, aged for four years, aged for eight years, you know, aged for 12 years. Um, usually the higher the age, what that means is that it's just been aged longer. That's all it fucking means. But if it's been aged for four years, that means that everything in that bottle is at least four years old. So you could have whiskey that's eight years old in that bottle, but the youngest whiskey in that bottle is going to be four years old. Now, a lot of bigger companies do not put an age statement on there. And that's just because what they do is they mix different ages, different barrels, different stuff. It's all the same stuff, just different blends of the same product to get a specific flavor profile for consistency reasons. That's going to bring us into our next part of it, which is if you see the word small batch on a bottle. Now, the best example I think for this is going to be, for example, Jim Beam. So you've got regular Jim Beam, 80 proof, white bottle. It's it's a standard everywhere. Like it's you're gonna find it any bar, anywhere in the world, I'm sure. Now, if you're gonna think of a small batch offering from that distillery, you're gonna think of brands like Knob Creek and Basil Hayden. Those are some very popular ones as well, but those are small batch offerings from the Jim Beam distillery. So that's kind of the best way to really describe that. Small batch is just kind of the more upper tier than just regular standard offering. And that's a lot of marketing. Small batch doesn't mean it's made in very small batches. It's made, it just, it was just a fancy word to make a higher tier of bourbon at that time. And it still carries on. Usually small batch is the standard for a lot of a lot of people now. Don't get fooled by thinking that just because it says small batch on it that it's a, a very small artisanal offering. It just it's just fancy marketing words for a little bit more expensive than your standard offering. Best way to put it. <laughs> uh, so you got small batch covered. Um, we got the age statement kind of covered. Now, in order to be a bourbon, there's no limit on the age that it has to be for it to be a straight bourbon. It has to be aged for at least two years. So when it says straight, 
that means that it's been aged for at least two years. So if you look at a label and it says straight bourbon whiskey, that means that it is bourbon that meets all the criteria from before and it's been aged at least two years. Now, most straight bourbon whiskeys are probably going to be older than that, but at least two years in a barrel is a good thing because you can make bourbon whiskey that's been aged for one month in a barrel. You can make bourbon whiskey that's been aged for a day in a barrel. Like there's no limits to it. You could pour new make bourbon right out of the still into a barrel in a new white charred American oak barrel, for instance, and you could dump it right out. And there you go. You have bourbon whiskey aged for one day, but yeah, kind of silly. So having the straight part on there, that's, that's a sign of quality. I think now you can get deeper down that rabbit hole. You can get uh uh, Kentucky straight to bourbon whiskey. So that's going to tell you that that is bourbon made in Kentucky and it's been aged for two years in Kentucky. There's bourbon from all over the country, but Kentucky straight bourbon is only from Kentucky. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. Say you have a distillery in Wisconsin. It's a, it's called an NDP, a non-distilling producer. Like you could buy barrels from anywhere and you can put your own label on it. So if you're so if you had a whiskey company in Wisconsin, which this happens, so you got to be careful there too. You can buy Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey from Kentucky because it's been aged there for two years. You could ship the barrel somewhere else, and you could produce your own whiskey anywhere else in the country. But Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey is a designation that's just from Kentucky. Now there's Wisconsin straight bourbon whiskey, there's Indiana straight bourbon whiskey, but to a lot of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey purists. It has to be from Kentucky, and they will tell you that it's not real bourbon if it's not from Kentucky, which is false. It is, but one of the biggest things is Kentucky is kind of the OG originators of bourbon, and they make the best bourbon, they will tell you. And I'm not really going to argue with that because some of the best bourbons around come from Kentucky. It's really hard to argue with. There's a lot of whiskey from all over the country, but Kentucky, I would argue does it the best i've had great whiskeys from other states but per capita kentucky is the king of bourbon so kentucky straight bourbon whiskey if you can have that on your label that's definitely going to be a seller i think it was jimmy russell from wild turkey who said that it's like anybody can make bourbon but if you want to be able to sell it it has to be from kentucky or some something of that nature but it's for sure. So if you're looking at a bottle of whiskey and you're not sure what to get, if you see Kentucky Straight Bourbon on there, that's going to be a very good start when it comes to bourbon. So there it is. You've got the age statement covered. You got the small batch covered. You got the straight word covered. Uh, one of the other things you're going to see is going to be single barrel. Now, a single barrel means that that bottle is from a single barrel of whiskey. So when you think of your standard barrel of whiskey, you can get maybe depending on how long it's been aged and where it sits in in the aging warehouse and everything, you know, 200 250 bottles of whiskey from that barrel. And that would be considered a batch if you will. Like that could be just a single a single batch of of that. Um now going back to the the batch word, um Lots of times when you see just small batch, it's just kind of their brand, but some companies will buy different batches or they'll make different batches, if you will. And so it'll be different barrels and it'll taste, each batch will be a little bit different. So the batch one, batch two, batch three, 
those are batches that they blend together to come out with a specific offering, which batched offering is a very nice. But when it comes to single barrel, that's going to uh, have some unique flavors to it each time. It can still taste very consistent, but if you see something that's a single barrel, like for instance, when we were just talking about Russell's before, Russell's Reserve, you can buy their standard. They have like a 10-year bourbon, which is very good and very affordable. Then they do have a single barrel offering, which is going to be substantially more because it's not just their run-of-the-mill kind of small batch, if you will. It's it's a single barrel offering, which is special, and it's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be very good. I find that most small batches, or sorry, I find that most single barrels are really good, and if you want to try something that's a little more unique, then definitely a single barrel is going to be the way to go. It doesn't mean it's always going to be better. It just means it's a single barrel offering of their standard product. So as where the other one is going to be pretty consistent every single time, a single barrel will have slight little nuances that they're going to be hard to pick up if you're not experienced, but they are different and you're going to usually see a higher price point as well. So what I would recommend doing is if you have the opportunity to try a small batch next to a single barrel, that's where you can really taste the difference. And it's it's pretty cool. Like when you start getting into whiskey, that's those are the fun things to do. Like, oh, this is the regular offering. This is the single barrel offering. Lots of times stores will do their own store picks of barrels. So say you go to your grocery store, your liquor store, and you'll see hand-selected for certain store by certain people. That is a barrel that that store purchased. They went and tasted multiple barrels, and they picked one. For their store alone, it was bottled for their store alone, and that is a single barrel offering. So you could go to a liquor store that has Buffalo Trace, which is not small batch and it's not single barrel. And if they have a store pick of that, that is their own, that's going to be a single barrel offering of Buffalo Trace. And those are very sought after. They're very unique and they're very delicious. I have a couple here and they are very good. So hopefully that covers the, the single barrel aspect of it. Uh, Going up next is a little bit, you're going to see uh, words like cast strength and barrel proof. And those are going to be the highest proof that you can get out of a whiskey. Now, when it says cast strength, that means they didn't cut that with water. That's straight from the barrel. So they could take something that is, you know, 135 proof when it comes out of that barrel. And they don't do anything to it. They just either batch it with other things of the same proof and they bottle it or they do it a single barrel offering with that but cast strength is always going to be a higher proof and it's going to be what I would say more to the purest nature of that bourbon when they water it down to that 80 proof or that 90 proof section what that does is that kind of stretches it out a little bit you can get more whiskey for you know out of that barrel so if a barrel holds 200 bottles of cast strength bourbon for instance without any water if you add water to it and proof it down you're going to get a lot more bottles which means you're going to make more money but cast strength is going to offer substantially more flavor you're going to get a lot more proof so it's going to be a lot stronger it's going to be a lot more heat it can kick your ass a lot more initially when i first started drinking bourbon uh getting into some uh pretty heavy bottles like stag jr even if you listen to some of our earlier podcasts when we were drinking stag jr like right away it would make me cough because it was so strong, like it was pretty intense. But now, 
Now, I don't think I have a bottle on my shelf that I drink on the regular that's under 114 proof. So, yeah, 135, 140. There's even some hazmat stuff that's 160, 150. Like, it's, it gets up there pretty high in proof. But, yeah, if it says cast strength or barrel proof, it's going to be a very high offering um, at that point. So, some people will put uh, barrel strength on there or something like that and that can be fancy words too if you see a bottle that says barrel strength and it's only 100 proof uh that that's kind of weird i'd say they're still watering that down because most whiskey does not come out of the barrel at 100 proof it just doesn't happen so if you want the real deal go for cast strength go for barrel proof look for something that's going to be in the upwards of 120 proof at that point and that's that's not going to be for an amateur either that's going to be for somebody who really enjoys the you know the intense flavors of whiskey and you get a lot of really good flavor out of those it's it can be kind of dumbed down by by how strong it is the heat so sometimes if you just get a nice barrel proof bourbon and put it on a big ice cube and let it kind of mellow out as you drink it it can be really enjoyable but some people just like that raw just aggressiveness that that just gets you it's it's an acquired taste for sure so um, along with cast strength and barrel proof, some of those words, um, some of the other words that you know you don't see as, as often is going to be words like uncut or unfiltered or both even. And those are just saying like uncut means that it's, it's not cut with any water. So that's going to be cast strength as well. Unfiltered means that it doesn't go through any like chill filtration process, which is a process that just kind of helps purify the whiskey itself. It doesn't proof it down at all. It just gets some of the some of the fatty acids and some of the conagers out of there that can give it a less than pure look. And it also takes out some of the flavor as well. So um, you'll see a lot of whiskeys that do chill filtration and that's not an uncommon thing. It doesn't mean it makes the whiskey worse, but uncut unfiltered is going to be like the purest form that you can get. It's cast strength unfiltered, just pure deliciousness. You might even see shit floating in there like little, little, little like charcoal barrel like little wispy dusty chunks in there and i think those are all signs of a very good bourbon so uh there's one other one that i wanted to kind of touch on and you'll see it very often um it's called bottled and bond so if you see that um just a real quick kind of history on bottled and bond there's we've covered this before but just to give you a quick little thing it's bottled and bond is a it's a bonded warehouse that they store the whiskey in that the government supervises and that came to be back in 1897 because a lot of people were making some pretty shitty whiskey they're blending some pretty questionable stuff in with their whiskeys to make a profit and it was bad that to the point the government actually had to step in and make it a more legit thing so one of the good things that the government has done is the bottle and bond act in 1897 but what that basically states is it's it's one distillation season, which would be either like the first part of the year, or the second part of the year uh, from one distiller. So that means it comes from one place. You can't add whiskeys from other other distilleries because people blend all kinds of stuff if they want to. But this it's like one distiller uh, bonded in the warehouse under government supervision. It has to be at least four years old and has to be 100 proof, no higher, no less. And then on the bottle, it has to say the origin of the distillation on it. And it's it's probably the biggest like quality control thing that 
has ever happened with bourbon. So it's a, it's a very good thing. It doesn't mean the whiskey is going to be better because it's it's bottled and bond, but it's definitely going to mean that it's high quality. So, for example, um, Henry McKenna. You can buy a bottle of Henry McKenna that's on the shelf for twenty three dollars. You know, very very kind of bottom shelf bourbon, but still good. You can buy a Henry McKenna bottled and bond, which is going to be substantially higher. Um, it does have an age statement of 10 years, but it's going to be 10 years old for that bottle. It's going to be bottled and bond, and it's going to be batched as well, so it'll have different batches. So that bottle has all kinds of little bells and whistles and names going around there that really make it a, a sought-after bottle because it has all these specific names on it. Uh, some other ones that you'll see, for example, is there's Elijah Craig, which does a small batch. They do a barrel proof. They do a double oaked, which means that they just aged it in a different barrel for a certain amount of time to give it more of the the rich, woody, oaky, sweet notes that come out of that barrel. So yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. And I think that's probably all that I can think of off the top of my head that really makes bourbon what bourbon is and some of the verbiage that goes along with it. Uh, there's a lot of whiskeys that you're going to see in the same area. You're going to see rye whiskey right next to bourbon all the time. The biggest difference between a rye and a bourbon is that rye can be made anywhere in the world, and we'll talk about that coming up next. But uh, right now, that's pretty pretty much it for bourbon for you. Uh, one little thing I did want to touch on before we stop, though, is Jack Daniels, arguably one of the most popular whiskeys in the world. You're going to see that on the shelf next to bourbon all the time, but Jack Daniels technically is not a bourbon and the reason why that is is because not not because it's from tennessee it's because it is made with a process called the lincoln county process which means they charcoal filter the whiskey before it goes into the barrels so there's other distilleries that do that Um, technically it could be called a bourbon because it still has it's still aged White American Oak, it's still bottled to 80 proof for more. It's still, you know, it, it's got everything. It's got the mash bill. Like, it's it's technically bourbon, but it's just called Tennessee Whiskey because whiskey makers from Tennessee like that name, Tennessee Whiskey. It's, it's kind of a nice little designation that they have, especially just for them. But there is Tennessee bourbons too, so don't let that fool you. Anyway, I think that should wrap it up for you. Um, maybe some of the the biggest myth about bourbon is that it can only be made in Kentucky. That's false. It can be made anywhere in the country, but it has to be made in the United States. So you can't buy a bourbon from Canada. can't buy a bourbon from Mexico. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to us at Two Guys Drinking Whiskey Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you have any questions, if I miss something, or if you learn something, just just let us know, and I should cover it. Uh, stay tuned for another episode where we're going to cover scotch, and we're going to cover some rye, we're going to go into some other whiskeys from around the world, but I think the biggest one for sure is bourbon. That's why we kind of touched base with that today. Hopefully this is good for you now. Hope to see you again soon, so thanks, and we'll see you later.